Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 39-year-old with chippy tits from Cardiff, Wales. He is one of the brightest shooting stars in the equipment managing world. He is currently the equipment manager for the Gratz 99ers. He is a former part-time body sculptor. Uh, he has won two Challenge Cups, two league titles, one playoff title, and he is one half of the greatest pregame speaking tag team of all time. Deese, or some people might know him as David Owen, but Deese, how are you today, big guy? I am awesome, Wally. All the better for seeing you, old buddy. How are you doing? Hey, man. Couldn't be better catching up with beauties like you. I've been waiting all week for this. <laughs> that tag team uh, a lot of stories about that tag team and I still have scars <laughs> um, so that is how I start the episode is how we know each other which we originally would have met when uh, you became the equipment manager for the Cardiff Devils my first year with the Cardiff Devils but you weren't the equipment manager at the start of that season right no that's right I was I was working in the shop with Corky just hanging out drinking coffee uh, eating a lot and uh, just sharpening skates and helping people in the pro shop, really. Right. So that's like selling all the all the merchandise the, for the type. Yeah. yeah, the merch, the, the hockey equipment to the kids and stuff. So it was cool. We had a lot of fun. And then and, Todd approached you? Well, my buddy Mark was actually the equipment guy for the team, but he went on um, vacation for two weeks. So he got me to cover for him. And I had no intention of taking his job or anything. And then he came back after two weeks. And two days later, Todd just walks into the shop with me and Corky. And he says, uh, you're the equipment manager now, these." And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, yeah, you're going to be our equipment guy. I'm like, yeah. So I got to have a conversation with the family about that. Because it's not what I signed up for here. And uh, I went back. And then the rest is history. Here I am, stuck for went from Cardiff to Manchester, and then uh, it's my second season. Just finished my second season in Graz. It's, it's insane. Yeah, that's uh, quite the story for uh, a guy that was just working selling uh, sharpening skates and selling the merchandise to to I guess I guess it's like pro hockey. Someone gave you the opportunity by going on vacation, kind of like when a player gets hurt and somebody else gets an opportunity, right? Just got the call. Yeah, Just and you were ready. Um, and I remember it because I remember Todd said, 
you fit our culture and what type of personality we were looking for, which was like a fun, happy to be around, chirping everybody. Um, and that was the type of personality that team needed as an equipment manager. And I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of chirping. I love a lot of chirping that season. And we, we that, that was the most fun year ever was that first season, and, you know. Like you said on previous pods, it was just crazy, but it, it worked. That's it. Yeah. Um, so then that's the first year where I'm actually playing, doing school. And uh, I guess I played pretty well that year. But then the next year I get hurt. And that's when I think our relationship really went to another level um, because we started doing the pregame speeches together after I was injured for the rest of my career yeah i got a, a little crazy a little crazy i think i think the plan all came about was we used to sit in the locker room while the guys were practicing and we cook bacon in the microwave and then bagels in that toaster and we'd eat bacon and bagels and then lodo would come in and start screaming that the place stunk and he could <laughs> smell it on the ice and we're like yeah we gotta eat it's like this place stinks cooking grease and bacon like yeah, but we got a week order. It's like, what the fuck? Jeez, F bombs, uh, Dees. That's aggressive. Come on. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, you know no, but I, I remember how it started was you and Lordo were doing pregame speeches, and Lordo's obviously so intense, and he would try and do something funny with you before the game to try and loosen us up. Um, but um, being funny just didn't like come natural to Lordo and being like funny before the game didn't come natural. So I came up with the idea. I said to Lordo, I said, well, you're doing this stuff with these. I've kind of lost my purpose and my spot on the team. I was the power play coach at that point or was helping. And uh, I was doing, uh, yeah, watching the power play during the games and coming up with adjustments. But other than that, um, I, I didn't have a big part and I wanted to help win because we were, I was staying in Cardiff. So I said, why don't I help Deese? Why don't you give me a try? And uh, I think the very first time I hid in the closet at the other end of the BBT yeah. room. Right. And then you came in as something and they were like, what, what's the deal here? Like, where's the pre or I, they thought you were going to come in the door and nobody came in. Right. Yeah. That's it. I just, I think I walked in the door and just stood there and everyone's like, why has he got clothes on? What, why is there no crazy music? Why is he not dancing? And it was like, there was no pregame speech at all. Right. And then all of a sudden I came out of the storage closet dressed as I was wearing Colby's. I was wearing a white wig, the Thor, the Thor head. And I had the hammer pigs had given Colby for his birthday and then I came out and I told Richie, we were going to give them all of Thor's hammer. And I believe they were going to like it. Right. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they liked it. And um, that sure that's how the, the magical run of us being tag team pregame speakers started was um, I remember starting nine and oh. Yeah, we were hot. We were real hot. And then it, it it got to the stage where we had uh, Lisa shopping for body paint for us on a weekly basis so we could spray paint your different colors. I remember the Hulk. I still got a picture of the Hulk 
Yeah, so I got we, some uh, of the pictures too. And uh, Captain America. That was difficult when we had to do the Captain America logo on the chest in a warm-up. So. Um, well, you were very good at spray painting. Um, it was very interesting in the BBT there. <laughs> I guess, why don't you explain what would happen when the guys would go for warm-up? So, <laughs> guys would go for warm-up and then you, you'd quickly appear. And we'd be in the shower where I would have had you like a either you come in with your your shopping bag full of, of goodies and stuff that Lisa and you had put together, or me and you had been over to uh, Toys R Us with our little budget and built something. And then uh, you'd have to gear down. We get the spray paint out, the body paint, and uh, we gear you up. Uh, oh, let's just be honest, and you were flat naked, and I had to spray you in all intimate areas. And uh, I remember well, Sheila, Sheila, the, the team physio uh, lady, she walked in the in the shower room once as I'm on my knees going, lift it up, Wally, move that thing to the left. And she just stood there, looked at us both and was like, she didn't need to say anything. It just was a case of what the, and she just walked out. And I'm like, you don't need to see this. <laughs> <laughs> that was when you probably would have been spray painting me green to be the Hulk, right? Yeah, I think that was the green one. Lift that thing up a little bit, Wally. Let's get a full <laughs> coverage here. <laughs> um, so like, that, yeah, I remember Lordo saying to me, because I was running out of ideas and Colby's, uh, like he was rated a superhero. So he had all the, the he got like all the masks for, um, a birthday or something, everyone. but yeah, yeah like the captain America shield I used. I remember Carl Hudson's wife had made out a paper mache for like yeah. his cake for his birthday or something. And yeah, it was incredible. Was yeah. And we hijacked it. Yeah. We used that for a lot of weird stuff. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. after this is going to be the episode after I released the one with my grandma, so at least hopefully people realize how wholesome I can be too. Uh, but we were just trying to get the boys going, right? We got them going. We were hot. Well, we and what? And hot. once you win doing that one time, like it just snowballs, right? In the hockey world, and it, you got to keep it going. Okay. Keep it going, and it, it went wild. It did, it did get a little wild sometimes. Well, the first time I ever lost a game as a pregame speaker because I was running out of ideas, but I also wanted this memory for one time in my life was uh, <clears throat> you <laughs> spray painted me red. Do you remember who the special guest was? Colby. Colby, Colby yeah. came in too. And I'm just like, Wally, I don't think you can bring him in. Like He's going to be scarred for life. <laughs> Um, I, re I remember because the guys would all be waiting for me or you to like to jump out from somewhere dressed as something. And then instead of me that came through the door, it was Colby dressed as Hulk and he gave a roar and the whole team went nuts as a three-year-old came in the room and gave yeah. a roar. And then I remember him getting a little nervous and being like, Oh, like, and they started going nuts. And then he went around the room, high-fived every guy in the team. Oh, and then they went out for a professional hockey game. And that was just a great memory to have with my son. I tell you. 
just insane. Yeah, there's not many teams in the hockey world or coaches for that matter, like Lordo, that would let a guy do something like that. And I got I got to do a pregame speech. My son got to do the pregame speech um, <laughs> as a three year old dressed as Hulk. It it was it was remember it. some crazy, crazy times. Okay, well we'll get. I got it written down later that uh, you can try and think of it late if you can as we go. But I want your favorite one of all the pregame speeches. Once we I, I get there, people. okay. Once I we get, once we get there. Once we get to the year in Cardiff, because uh, I have my favorites. I'd like to hear your favorite because there was a lot of weird stuff that went on that year. So. That's how we know each other. We are the best tag team pregame speakers of all time and probably have the best winning percentage ever. But uh, then my next thing we'll get into later, I guess, because the other reason I said we know each other is apparently I'm your guy for references, but we'll talk about that later. Um, So where did you grow up and how did you get into hockey? Um, Well, I... Cardiff born and raised, born and bred, you know, and um, when I got, so I started skating around seven. Um, I used to fly around. I started playing hockey around eight, nine years old, just, just street hockey so much. Did you say and, you were flying around? Yeah. I was I've seen you skate, Dees. You weren't flying around. Yeah, at seven I was. Oh, sorry. Okay. Puberty probably hit you like a truck then, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You know. And oh, sorry, McDonald's go ahead. You're flying yeah. around. Go go ahead. You're flying around. Yeah, I was flying around. And then um buddy of mine at school, he was he was playing for the junior devils. And so I was interested and I, I managed to get a load of equipment together, you know, secondhand horrific equipment that just stunk. And I went to a, to the open trials one day for the junior team and and the rest is history, really. I just played my whole junior career in Cardiff. Uh, won a won a couple of trophies. We were undefeated one year, uh, national champions. No big deal. Just kind of saying, you know. So national uh, champions? Are you talking like of Wales? No, of UK. I was gonna say because there's only one rink there. <laughs> there's one up in Deeside, North Wales, but uh, but no, we played against. I no, we didn't play Scottish teams. It was just English back then. So we were the uh, the the English uh, champions as such. Okay. That was uh, 16. So Maya Z was on the team with me then. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. We played against Richie. I'm pretty sure Richie was was playing against us when he was in Swindon. So we played against a a few old guys. And then John Phillips, who's captain of Sheffield and has been forever. Phil Hill, Hill, who played Cardiff and, uh, and Sheffield. So yeah, and then when I got to 18, I, I went played pro for the Devils for a little bit. I wouldn't call it pro. I was uh, just the plugger, sat on the bench, go out, skate, hit, do whatever. Did you and, say you uh, played for the Devils? Yes. The elite uh, elite prospects had nothing about that. Yeah, elite prospects is not great. And neither were my stats. I'm not going to lie about that. So you did but play I, professional for the Devils? I wouldn't say it was professional. I played more like here's a few bucks, have a nice day. I still had a day job while I was studying to be a financial advisor. 
but yeah, uh, I played played a season or two. Is that right? Okay, I went to your elite prospects. It said uh, for years old, it was a dash um, from Wales, uh, but it had a couple leagues in uh, yeah. that I wasn't sure of. But it never said like like Cardiff Devil. So okay, I'm on the. I'm on the. Mm. We're gonna have to I see some the, game footage of this. Well, I'm old. I think game footage is like <laughs> I'm just kidding. White, really green. I don't think there's game footage. Actually, just, Fanny was on the team with me then. Okay. Well, no, I believe you. I've just seen you do the shootouts with your knee brace on and the uh, and the barrel out, and you're coming in trying to dangle, and it's like holy moly! Or I almost killed Bouncy that time. Yeah, when you try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the equipment manager toe picks it here started goalie. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's not good. And then when was it? It was before a big game. Lodo says, Hey, I, I want you to come out and do uh and do shootout with the boys on a Friday. I'm like, remember what happened last time? I almost killed Bouncy. He's like, Yeah, 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 I know. I just wanted to liven it up a bit. So I came out and just a just a thin you know, tiny little jock strap and did shootout. Oh yeah, just in a jock strap. That was it, eh? I remember there was uh, there was some serious shrinkage due to cold, and I haven't got the most to start with anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely because it was cold for sure. Yeah, <laughs> cold, real cold. In the yeah. Uh, well, were you hot in the shootout? <laughs> no, I'm never hot in a shootout. <laughs> Just dump it in a corner. Oh, uh, no, I but, thought it was dump and change. Seems uh, every shit. Man, okay, we'll get into that year in Cardiff um, because there's so much stuff that happened that year that me, that yourself and I have just fantastic memories of. But it was also the second year. Um, but so that's where you got into hockey. You played for the Devils, but I got here. So obviously, you were you said you had a day job and you're working to become a financial advisor. So then. You obviously like I the way I always explain it to people is you kind of play hockey till the age like you're good enough to play it to because there's a certain age where what whatever it is, if you're 30 years old and you're not making enough in the elite league, or if you're 35 and you're in Germany, whatever age it is where you just decide this isn't enough anymore and I have to figure out what's next. Um, what age was that for you? And then you did get into the real world for a while. I remember I did a, did a federal stint in the real world. Uh, I was about 22, 23. I'd had two knee surgeries. Uh, I realized that, you know, I was never going anywhere and I sucked basically. And, uh, I was a beauty, you know, fourth line plugger, just hanging out. Good, good dressing room guy. Good on the stereo. You know, and uh, I all you can ask for, that's all you need, you know. And I always brought the beers as long as you always bring the beers, you'll always have friends. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just I just realized, hey, I, I need to, to go get a real job and make real money, which is, is what I did for a few years. And then I had my kids, and I went and moved into sales, I went away from finance and I was into sales, and I, I was in a great money. But the, the stress levels were up here. And obviously with three kids, I had no sleep and no, I, I just missed. You, you can't go into an office and speak to speak to a guy and say, hey, I'm trying to sell you this product and that product. And hey, nice fucking guts you got there, buddy. You know, you, you can't 
you can't chirp people and stuff. And I had to wear a suit every day. I had to shave every day. I had to wear my teeth. Uh, I just snapped one day and said, screw it. And then I went back and luckily Corky said, do I want to come work for him? You know, money wasn't great, but money I figured out in life, money isn't everything. And I just had a blast and uh, did that for a year, maybe maybe a year and a half. And then, like I said, Todd came in and said, you're the equipment guy. And I'm like, what? So yeah, the real world sucks. Stay as far away from it as possible <laughs> is my advice. Um, well, yeah, okay. I, I can't say the same. I do enjoy my job now, but my job now is kind of like I'm, Kind of like managing a hockey team, but uh, or in the players, I'm kind of like a, the coach of. Uh, we just don't play hockey, so um, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, so, but okay, where was I? Because you, yeah, the real world. Um, so you were uh, a financial advisor. People were giving you their money to literally, really. really? Yep. People but you had me. you you had to have been wearing your teeth then, eh? Yeah, every day. Every day I had to shave every day. I had a real, I had to have a nice haircut. I couldn't do, I couldn't turn up in shorts and flip-flops every day like I do now. Um, but yeah, people, my, I specialized in what's called um, equity release, which is a lifetime mortgage. Basically the bank buys a house off you that you've worked for your whole life and paid for. Say your house is worth half a million, the bank buy it off you for 300K. You live in the rest of your life. We give you 300K when you die house is ours and we sell it for 500k yeah i had a lot of people's kids calling me going you're an asshole you've robbed my mum of this money and i'm like hey your mum didn't have any money so she came to me not the other way around and i explained all the risk but yeah it, it, it gets stressful and it's a lot of trust people are putting in you with their money and i'm not good with money myself so yeah well i you know what for yourself, it doesn't sound like the real world world was that fun. So uh, let's not talk about it anymore. Let's talk about the hockey side of you because obviously that was a uh, um, a side gig for you that you just you tried to do it. You tried to join the real world, but that's just not you. And uh, you, I've been around your mouth. I've been around your foul language, which you've been very good so far. Um, so. No, yeah, you're doing very well so far. But, like, you do get back into the hockey world, which it sounds like, realistically, it kind of sounds like fate, and that you were just – fate brought you to be an equipment manager because you are, in my opinion, the best equipment manager I ever had because there, there's, some, there's some strange ones out there. There's some beauties out there. There's, there's every different walk of life being an equipment manager, is there not? Oh, for sure. Sure, I mean, what one guy in this league here? What are you doing with your headset? Now you can't hear me. Put your headset back on. Sorry, so, what? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. There's something dangling from the mouthpiece. Spider, probably, or your own draw. Uh, yeah, there's there's one guy in in the league here, Hansi. He's an absolute beauty, and uh, he's the he's the equipment guy for Innsbruck. And every game, he is like fully clean-shaven, well-groomed, and he wears a shirt and tie and trousers on the bench to be the equipment guy. 
and then there's me who's stood around in short uh, t-shirt shorts and flip-flops and a baseball cap and i'm like what's up bud and he it's just crazy the guys that you meet in this job and then you meet other guys who make me look like i'm dressed presentably uh because they just look like they've crawled out of a cave that's the beauty of this job is you never know who or what you're going to meet what's going to walk to the door every year it's awesome What's what's the relationships like amongst equipment guys? Because I guess we got that we already talked about how you got into becoming an equipment manager. So, um, like some of the things I have written down, but are like the crazy hour stuff. But I'm now that we're talking about it, I'm more interested in the relationship between equipment managers because there's got to be a lot of times where you guys have to help each other between the two teams. For sure. I mean, I spoke to Murds just yesterday, who's now the equipment guy in Cardiff. Now he's retired from playing. Uh, he was asking me for a little help on something. Um, but it, there's always a time when you turn up at a rink and you go, oh, I forgot something. And you have to scoot over to the other, other dressing room and go, hey, but uh, I know this is like a real pain in the ass, but I forgot shower gel or... Uh, one guy turned up in Cardiff one game when we were in the tent and he said, hey, have you got any 15-inch shin pads? I'm like, yeah, why? He said, one of my players forgot his shin pads. <laughs> so you have always got to help yourself, help each other out because you can't be perfect the whole time. You're human at the end of the day. Well, and there, there is that hockey uh, part of that is that Instead of saying to the other team, no, we don't have shin pads for you. We, we want to play your lineup. We don't want a guy to sit out because he doesn't have shin pads. Like let's, let's play a game and let's go to battle. Right. Yeah. Sure. Let's, let's make it. There's times where the other team might come to you and ask for something and you're like, yeah, but I've only got this. And you know, full well, you've got every size and every model of it in the cupboard but you know they don't want this certain model because it's four years old and it's cruddy. And you just go, yeah, but I've only got this. Because then you're not the asshole that's saying no, but you're not giving them exactly what they want, so you're making life a little difficult. It'd be like if the goat forgot his sticks. They'd give you a left-handed stick, but not a curve that's very good. Yeah, not a, not a P92 2N Pro as Joey Martin uses in 77 Flex. Okay, what did I use? Uh, you used the P106. Uh, I think it was a 102 flex, and I know it was right-handed, and it was an uh, APX1. <laughs> okay, well, if you got any left over, let me know, because I don't have any to coach my uh, Phase 3 UDI Team 2 Kikard Canucks. I have not seen your curve in five, six years. I know they stopped making it right when I retired. I guess they only made it during my career because like literally yeah. the year I was done, it was over. It's it's crazy trying to get sticks. Now they make a P92, a P28 and a P82. That's it. That's all you can get. And they're like what? Crosby, Ovechkin and whoever the other guy is. Like there's nothing else. Uh, McDavid. Paves. That's it. Yeah. And that's it. You're just like, oh, so I, you know, I get older guys come to the team who are 30 plus and like, Hey, yeah, so I need a Lidstrom or I need a Drury. I'm like, all right, that's custom order. So it, 
it's insane. But and then yeah, that, that gets it way more expensive to order. So they figured out a way to make sticks more expensive for the pro oh, guys. For sure. For gotcha. Sure. It's just that's- it up. Um, and it, it, it's just crazy. It, like skates these days. Skates are what? 800 bucks a pair. Uh, there's a new helmet coming out from Bauer. That's going to be 300 bucks for a helmet. And I'm just like, Wow. It's insane. The average stick over here in Austria, if you go into a store, you're looking at 250 euros for a top-end stick. And I'm like, what? When I was a kid, we used Sherwood or we used Branches or Titan. Yeah, Titan. And a stick was 35 bucks. And you went through three of them a year. Uh, it's, uh, it's totally crazy, the price of equipment. And... Then they wonder why there's not more kids playing hockey. And um, they wonder in the UK, they wonder in Canada. (laughs) And well, this is the price you're making stuff. And then to be elite, you really do need the best sticks nowadays because those sticks can shoot completely different than the rest. Yeah, they they do half the work for you. Well, I'll never, this is a story. This is my tale of this episode is in the, for the Hellbronner Falcons, they sign a really good team of players. And then they told us they would not buy us the good sticks. They would only buy us the lowest end quality of sticks. They give us our curves, but they would not get us the best quality ones. Excellent. I had always been able to shoot and shoot it where I wanted it. That season, I could not. I didn't know where it was going. It could go anywhere when I shot it. And then I had some random fan come up to me with like 10 games left in the season. And he says to me, I hear you can't get your, the good sticks here. And I said, yeah, that's right. Like I've been having a hard time, but it is what it is here. And I'm not going to pay for my own sticks. I'm a professional hockey player. And he says, well, I'll buy them for you. This, this fan in Hellbron bought me about six, brand new top of the line Bauer sticks in Germany. And I went on a run the last 10 games and it probably saved my career. So if that guy in Hellbron ever listens to this episode, thank you very much, sir. We'll drink a beer to that guy. Those yeah. guys are come by. I totally forgot about that whole story until we started talking about sticks. That guy's saved your career. And what a career that was on one leg. <laughs> Well, and then like for Hellbron, like you sign a good team and you invest in all that money into having good skilled players and then you don't give them the tool to go to work. Come on. That's dumb. That's dumb. Like I, here, I, I, I mean, I have so many guys come in here and we're a Bauer team and they say, hey, so I've used CCM sticks my whole life and I have to have the CCM P92, which, which is a slightly bit different. I'm like, no problem. So I make them a custom stick with CCM curve but in a bower stick, if I gave them a bower curve, they'd be like, no, you can't use it. So you just have to make it work and give the, like you say, give the guys the tools they need. Well, so here's my other stick story since I got an equipment manager on is my whole life. I'm trying to make it to the NHL. I'm using bower sticks my whole life through junior B Western Michigan. They give me the top of the line, best bower sticks you could get. I then sign, um, a kind of a deal with the Columbus blue jackets that if I go there at the end of my senior year, and if I play well, they got first crack assigning me July 1st. Will I get there with my six Bauer sticks 
And they say, well, you can't use those in this league. And I say, pardon me, I've only used Bauer sticks in my life. And I've only used the P106 as you described. And they said, well, on this team, only, I think it was three or five players get to use whatever stick they want. You are not one of those players. So you can't use those sticks. And I said, well, what am I like? I just came here for the biggest tryout of my life. And they said, you have to go downstairs to the stick room. And there's like five right-handed guys on the team. One of the, one of those guys, that's your new stick. And I tell you, I, I couldn't pass. I couldn't shoot. I, I, I couldn't do anything. And this is the biggest trial of my life. And you can't even use your own stick. Yeah. You're like, Oh, put me behind the eight ball. That's fantastic. Well, like the AHL, you're a step away from the NHL and you can't use yeah. your own stick. Are you, what is this? Are you kidding me? Wouldn't they just let you spray paint it? Um, I wasn't into spray painting myself or my stick at that point, but no, you had to use CCM or Reebok. Yeah, that's it. Like here, like I say, we're allowed three guys who don't use Bauer, but there's always one guy. We, you know, you pick up a guy mid-season, and he turns up with his ten CCM sticks, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, buddy. So I'm gonna have to spray paint your sticks, and then we're gonna have to reapply uh, some grip tack to it. Uh, are you okay with that? And he's like, well, can I not just use my sticks? No. So, but we spray paint them and we put some more sticky stuff on them and they're fine. And no one knows we're using CCM sticks on a power team. Well, so. hey, who knows? Maybe uh, some, since I still don't have a sponsor, maybe Bauer will sponsor us someday because I would say their sticks are a thousand times better than CCM or Reebok because what I did that year I went to the AHL was I sent ccm reebok my bauer stick and i said please make this they made it in a, a reebok one piece and every time the puck hit the blade it snapped in half every single time so i couldn't use the sticks i have one left in my garage and if a puck hits it it'll break but i got i had to have proof that my name was on my sticks one year you were there you were there well you could phone ex-Cardiff Devils alumni Tyson Zaplitsky, who's actually the director of sticks for Bauer. And he played in the Devils. So you could get in there. Well, I'm telling you, maybe they want a sponsor because their sticks are the best. Uh, no free ads, but um, CCM no ads. sticks suck. So there you go. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want you as a sponsor anyways, CCM, because your sticks suck. So <laughs> here we go. Good thing Gratz is Bauer team or else I wouldn't be able to cheer for them. <laughs> okay. So other than uh, that, which I don't know how we got so into sticks because the part of being a, a kit guy, as you call it in the UK or an equipment manager, as you call it in North America is I wanted to talk about the crazy hours that you've put in uh, before. Cause like I've seen you do it and I've seen other equipment managers do it. I've seen you do it pretty pretty heavy. Um, like you guys do some pretty bizarre stuff through the nights and then just completely crash after like a 48 hour shift. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, th there'd be times where let's, let's think the time we won that challenge cup is, is the prime time. So if you remember, we played on the Saturday at home. Um, and then we had to go Sunday was the challenge cup final. So you guys left straight after the game at home 
uh, and got a bus up to Sheffield. Stayed in a hotel, so you were rested all day, yada, yada. Um, obviously, for me, my day started at probably, yeah, we used to have a pregame meeting on home games at 10 a.m. Well, so I was, so we I didn't, we didn't stay in Sheffield. We stayed like, we only made it like halfway because we had a game the night before, right? Yeah, yeah. And you left straight after the game. Right, but we only we didn't even make it all the way to Sheffield because they want okay. us to sleep, right? And you, you had been up the morning before to get ready for that yeah. night, right? Yeah, that's it. So I I'd been at the rink from probably nine a.m. getting everything ready for that game, and then game finished. Well, it's a Saturday, so it would have been a seven face-off. Game would have finished nine thirty. You guys would have left at ten thirty. Um, and then I had to wash everything, dry everything, um, sharpen all the skates ready for the game tomorrow, pack everything, load the van, um, and pile it all in the van. And Todd came, I think Todd came around 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning. Todd drove the van up for me up to Sheffield. So the idea was I was supposed to sleep while, um, while Todd drove. But I drank so much coffee and Red Bull that I was super wired out my face. So I didn't sleep the whole night, didn't sleep. I know, I obviously mixed in a few beers, packed up the whole dressing room, the rugs. I don't know if you remember the rugs and, and everything. We, we basically took everything but the toilet with us from the, uh, from the room, got to Sheffield, unpacked the van, Unpacked everyone's equipment. We'd had, I'd had stickers made, huge stickers that we covered all the Sheffield logos with in the dressing rooms and stuff. And in the middle of the floor, we put a huge Devils logo and set everything up. And I think I got an hour's sleep on the dressing room floor before the game. And then Todd came in to wake me up to say, okay, guys are here in 20 minutes. And I, I still have no idea what happened in the first period because I was waiting for the coffee and Red Bull to kick back in. And uh, obviously we went out and it went sideways real fast. Uh, we won, 2-1 game. Who, who scored in that? Hendo scored from the blue, I think. Cully oh, maybe Cully. tipped it. Cully scored. Cully for, it. Yeah, yeah, Cully scored. I don't remember Hendo who scored. Hendo shot it, one. Cully tipped it. I forget who else scored. And uh, Lordo. Oh, of course Lordo scored. Big game, big game. Lord, it was always good for a big gamer. Bit of a shirt tug. Yeah, probably, he's probably scored on the first power play because he was the coach and got to decide who's on the first power play, but go ahead. Yeah, it was probably first power play. Maybe uh -huh. maybe, maybe he was on first penalty kill too, I don't know. He was, yep. Uh, no, what do you don't say? Uh, he might have been on the starting lineup or two as well. So mm, Yeah, that's right. Yep, no, I remember. Okay, so... Um, uh, just want so, to tell, tell all the listeners about then we went back to that hotel and Wally redecorated the hotel. We oh, we don't need to talk about that on here. We don't need, we, no, no, no. Redecorated real nice, didn't you, Wally? <laughs> I think there was a lot of issues that night with the team, but uh, the, we had a lot of fun and you only win so many championships in your career and you have to celebrate everyone like it's the Stanley Cup weather, right? And you have to, because you only win so many times in your life. And the times I hear like, we shouldn't have 
partied like we did because we lost a game like on the Wednesday. Like, I don't know. I actually felt like that field again on the Wednesday and we lost 11 to one. Yes. But we had 70 other games that year to win it at one more game. Like when you win a championship, I personally think you only get to do that. Some people do it. Never. Some people get to do it a bunch of times, but when you win a championship, like you got to stop time and say, Hey, we're doing this tonight. All of us together. We all did this. This is a thing. Yeah. And we did. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. I remember being stood in a cold tub uh, with Pigsy pouring champagne or beer over my head in a cold tub. Why uh, why were you in the cold tub? You're the equipment manager. I think I was trying to sober up and wake up. That was probably what I was doing. Oh, wake up because you'd been up for two days. Yeah, for two days straight. And I didn't have a clue what day it was anymore. Um, I do say, though, that that is one thing that Todd did that year when we were first getting together in Cardiff to help us win a championship. Like he, yourself and him both knew the what you guys needed to do to make this feel like how big of a game this really is, how important it is. And for him, for the managing director or GM or whatever he is to drive with the equipment manager after a Saturday night game at five in the morning to drive up to Sheffield, to help you out, to help us out. Like that is how it all started in Cardiff, right? Like that's how we started winning was everybody was in it from the top down. Everyone was in it. You know, everyone was on the same page. We, we were just a unit. Everyone was pulling in the same direction that we didn't have anyone, you know, dragging the rope, so to speak. And it, it was, that's the hands down the best team I've ever been on. Yeah. Ever. You'll, you'll never see another one. It's like Dougie and I said, how weird it was. Like when you look back on it now, how weird it was that like, it didn't matter if it was the equipment manager to the GM, to the coach, to, every wife player we were all just hanging out together and we were all together all the time and everybody wanted to be together there was no clicks there was no there was nothing it was just hanging out and everybody was it was weird it was it was so weird it was everyone got on with everyone everyone's wife got on with everyone there was no side shows no politics no one had an axe to grind we all went for lunch we all went for dinner and it was just crazy. It, yeah. Yeah. You don't get stuff like that back, which is, I mean, like realistically, I started a podcast and I've had on quite a few devils and I still want to have on a bunch more because like, I can't talk about that year enough. And uh, it was a very bizarre time, but next question um, how many all-nighters do you think you've done being an equipment manager? A, a lot, a hell of a lot. I mean, the, the one that really stands out to me was when we played um, Brayhead or, or Glasgow, as they're known now. We played them on a Saturday, and then we played home on the Sunday. And I drove up. We practiced Friday morning uh, at the usual time. What, 11 do we used to skate? Was it 11 or 10, 15? Yeah, it was the morning. Then, yeah, so we I remember throwing stuff straight in the van, soaking wet from practice, 
no, actually, we did laundry. We did laundry first and then threw it in the van. And the guy who was supposed to drive with me couldn't come. So I ended up going on my own and I drove all the way to Scotland and then uh, set the room up in the morning. From We had pregame skates, so I set the whole room up while you guys flew up. And then uh, we played the game. Guys reloaded the van with me and I drove straight back, unpacked. I think I got home at four in the morning, five in the morning. May have broken a few speed limits on the way. I remember going through two tanks of gas in the van because the foot may have been on the floor and the needle was tipping way past 100. Downhill, tailwind, van went pretty fast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we played, I can't remember who we played on the Sunday, but I unpacked all the gear, dried it, washed it, reset everything. Then we played the game and then I passed out. That's, I don't remember the Sunday evening or the Monday. Well, probably just had two beers and died. For, I guess this is part of what this podcast is about is uh, giving people like Foz said, their uh, pad tap is like when I played at Western Michigan University, we would carry our own bags into places and unpack them usually where the big schools, they, the equipment managers would do it all. It's kind of like the NHL where there's probably a few equipment managers doing a, a, a bunch of different jobs where in the UK, there was just you and you were doing it all. And I would like, I would have to say, man, like guys like me and guys like the rest of the minor pro hockey players out there truly, I think there's a lot of pro hockey players that don't appreciate the equipment guys, but I certainly do. And when you look back on your careers, minor pro guys, you should probably uh, recognize your local equipment managers because you guys do way more than anybody gives you credit for. It's uh, yeah. I, I don't think anyone, and it's, it's the little things that equipment guys do that no one has any idea we do like, we'll look at your skates and we'll notice you know, you got a rivet or two loose and it's not as if you come in the next day and we go, Hey, we fi- I fixed the rivet for you. It's just done. You don't even know it's done. And just, just little things like that. And just, especially in the UK, the, the equipment guys like bust their balls because it's, it's just, there's not a big budget. There's not three or four of you like there is in the AHL, NHL. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it is crazy, but, it's it's a job it's a lifestyle choice that's what it is yeah yeah there's certain people that are into it okay here we go we're off we're we're getting back into it here i want to hear the story of the time hendo and carl became goalies <laughs> the uh the the pre-christmas drinking we just done secret santa that was it so we we just done Secret Santa. We were there for a while, drinking a few beers, you know. Well, we had practice, and then we done, yeah. yeah. So we did practice. We did Secret Santa, and then everyone disappeared. Urge was uh, was in the other dressing room, which is he, the massage guy, listeners. Yeah. That's the massage guy that fixed my knee and got me one more contract. So thank you, Urge. Yep, sausage fingers, Urge. That guy can break anybody's bones. He's a, those, 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 
those hands are soft, but the most masculine hands that have ever been on my body. And they, they got me another contract fixing my knee until it really popped. Absolute beauty. So Urge was working on Lodo and there's me, Hendo and, and Huddy still in the room. And uh, safe to say we, we polished off quite a few beers. And so Huddy and Hendo dressed up in the goalie equipment and we're running into each other in the dressing room and pinballing around and seeing if you could hurt each other wearing the equipment. And then I think it was Hendo said, I know, let's go see Lordo. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we trudge into the massage room and Lordo looks up from the table he's being worked on. And I don't know what happened, but he lost his mind. Well, two of his defensemen are dressed as goal. He's drunk on, on a, like what, like after a morning practice, right? Yeah, we didn't have a game for like three or four days though, because it was Christmas time. So yeah, so that it's that it's okay, right? I think yeah. it's okay. That's cool. hockey, baby. But he he went full Lordo, you know. <laughs> the, the head span round. He vomited everywhere, and he levitated to the ceiling. And he, he shouted and screamed, and there was there was me, Huddy, and Hendo just looking at each other like we thought it was funny. <laughs> and Urge stood there with his mouth open, and it, it, it was just insane. And I remember Lordo telling them, telling the boys to take the equipment off and and, and get out, you know, a few more expletives than that. And we we left, and I'm pretty sure we went to like the oyster catcher or somewhere and just carried on drinking for the rest of the afternoon. We're like, yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> just sat there and got buckled. Ah, oh, so- man, that was back. Like ho- hockey was so different. Like Bouncy was telling me they don't even get beers after all the games in the UK anymore. And uh, like, crazy. yeah, you're saying, well, if you had a four point weekend or whatever, but like they're just at hockey everywhere has gotten so serious. And it's like, well, like, do people not realize, like, you're not making that much money in the UK? Like, why are you taking it so seriously, yeah. right? Yeah. Why do you think I'm in the UK? Yeah, you're not making millions. You may as well enjoy it there, folks. Yeah. Exactly. You, you just, you got to have fun while it's there. So, and it's like here, we're, we're sponsored by a brewery. I'm not going to give you an ad there, brewery, but we're sponsored by a brewery. So after every game here, well, actually before every game, because I told them I needed to put it in the fridge uh, and I've got my own fridge in my room. I get a six pack of these big beers. I'll show you the back end. See, there's some big beers. I know the German beers. That's Austrian, but yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's a 5.1 percenter. So I get a six pack before every game. That's the deal I did with the office. So I was like, hey, you get a six pack of beer for every game. Yeah, that's just me. And then you know sometimes if if we win are they are they are they looking to sponsor an english podcast i i don't know well you're canadian not english i meant like the like the language there the language the language (laughs) well i'm i'm still not getting free beer for this and it's getting a bit expensive so um we're gonna need to find a sponsor here eventually so i have to make some calls while yeah, I'm gonna have to. Eh? Gonna have to. Put- um, but yeah, like that—that's the good thing here. I said to the coach, I was like, hey, win, win or lose, these gets a beer, and that—that's the deal I've got here. That's so quite that's the deal, man. Fantastic deal. How did um, we get on to that? 
the no fun in the UK anymore deal right. because Lordo didn't let us drink or, or eat greasy food. Um, I remember the first year we got to eat a couple kebabs, right? <laughs> Donair kebabs. Oh, Donair kebabs. Yeah, they, we were in uh, where were we? Glasgow or Brayhead, and they hadn't sorted out food after the game. So Lodo said, "Okay, here's ten bucks," and he gave everyone ten bucks, and everyone went off, and they got like Nando's and different things. And me and you got back on the bus with a king size kebab and a beer or two. And Lordo, we just sat by Lordo and the whole bus stunk because of our food. And Lordo was looking at us going, what are you two idiots doing? When I said, go get food, I meant go get something semi-healthy with some protein in it. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> he was going bananas. <laughs> Ah, I still love that stuff, man. When I was in Germany, there was every town had a place on the corner where they were shaving the meat yeah. off the stick, man. And, oh, they were making the, the bread like completely fresh, rolling out with the, the dough, rolling it out. It was living, man. That was living. There's two right outside my apartment here. I got a choice. How much better is it there than in the UK? Is it not way better? Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, Hey, don't talk dirty to me anymore. Yeah. This is a podcast and I don't need you <laughs> talking dirty to me about kebabs. So we got to move on. We talked the goalie thing. So now it's time for your favorite. Listen, this is what we're going to do. I got to pee. So you're going to have to tell your favorite pregame speech story while I go pee. And then I'm going to guess which one it was. And then I'll tell mine. Okay. Go. Go. Headphones are off for everyone while he's gone. Um, my favorite pregame story, we were in Sheffield, pretty big game. And I forget what I came. Oh, I was Steeler Dan. I came in the dressing room pretending to be Steeler Dan. And uh, the guys are just laughing at me and they're like, what is he doing now? And then all of a sudden, Wally came in and he had the Thor hammer, which we previously mentioned. And he literally beat the life out of me with this goddamn Thor hammer. And I, he, he hammered me, and I was naked. He hammered me on the ass with this Thor hammer so hard it split the skin. And I've still got a scar to this day. Oh, here he is. He's back. Go, Wally. Wait, was it Steeler Dan? <laughs> I just heard I still have a scar till this day. Was it? <laughs> Yeah, were you it. done this story already? Yeah, where well, you hammered me with it was the Thor hammer, right? Yeah, I remember. I hit you so hard. I still have the video on my phone. <laughs> um, and I hit you so hard with that hammer, like I could see your butt cheek jiggle, <laughs> like the whole your whole back and everything jiggled. Oh, I, I, but like I've never seen a hockey team more pumped up than that moment. Have you? Uh, no, we won. I remember we won. And I remember limping out to the bus after the game because you got the side of my ass. I had a whole dead leg. I'm like, oh, my God. I had to sleep on my side that night. Everything. It was so bad. All right. Okay. Here's my favorite one. Okay. So that was my first time going on the road. Um, and that was really what shocked the guys was because that was the first time was the Steeler well, we'll, Dan we'll one. Manchester here then. That's correct. So that... <laughs> 
Um, it's the last weekend of the season. The Cardiff Devils have to win both games and we need help. Um, we need the Steelers to lose a game or something. So the first game of the weekend, we're going to Manchester and I say, honey, I got to go. Like the team needs me. This is, this is like my last weekend of being a hockey player other than playoff weekend. And, um, and I got to go, I got to go help the team. So I get on the fan bus again and I go hang out with the creepy stalker neighbor and all the, all the guys on the bus and, (laughs) and uh, we have beers all the way to Manchester and then we get there too early and I have an ax, a sword and a shield in my bag and I have nothing else. That's all I have. And that, yeah. So that's when the fans are it, like, they start catching on like why I'm coming that I'm doing speeches and I'm bringing a bag of something and I got to leave during warm up. So they start asking what's in the bag. I'm like, I can't tell you, can't tell you. But then I, I think I told the creepy stalker neighbor, cause he's my buddy. And I, I was like, well, I'm going to be a Viking tonight. So then we stop in Manchester and the guy helping park the bus is wearing a Viking yeah. hat, like a two. Oh, that dude, looks- he's a good guy. Oh man. And it's got the braids coming down and everything. And I said to him, I said, I'm doing a pregame speech tonight and I'm being a Viking. And I was really hoping I could borrow your hat tonight. And he said, hockey family, man. And he gave it to me. He said, just give it back when you're done your thing. Well, we were there early that night. I have to hide from all the players while they're warming up and getting ready for the game. And I'm in the bar with all the fans and we're taking pictures and having a hoot and I'm dressed. I got the Viking hat on. I came into a sneaky beer. I'd set the bench up and as I'm walking past the bar, someone's banging the window. So I was like, oh, I'll come in for a beer. (laughs) I had a beer and Lord okay was like, where have you been? Uh, No (laughs) one. Well, so then... When the guys go out for warm up, we sneak me in the back door, but this is the part I really remember. This is, <laughs> this is where I really realized my life had gone off track and I needed to get back to Canada and that this was it. This, the pregame speaking was over. We couldn't do it anymore was when I was dressed like a Viking. I have my ax, my sword, my shield that were kids toys from toys R us. And I got the guy's hat And then you said, Wally, if you want to be a Viking, and if this is the last weekend of the year, we got to make it more authentic. Do you remember that? Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember what you did? Went outside and we picked mud up from the car park or the the sidewalk, and we covered you in mud and and shit, and God knows what else was there. (laughs) So yeah, you uh, covered me in dirt to make it more authentic, to make me look more like a Viking. And then the glass breaks during warm up. I go. Guy throws the goddamn pucks for warm up. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, well, so the glass breaks in warm up, and then uh, I'm sitting there in that toilet, the only one in the room, oh, co- co- covered in dirt naked with a sword a shield and an axe i'm drunk (laughs) oh so yeah then i sat there for at least an hour right and then uh they were yelling like if he's in there i gotta piss (laughs) but then i finally do the speech i come out break the axe i i 
get in Richie's face like I usually do and call him a quiet psycho. And then they go out and win the game. And I go back up to the stands with the fans. And I still remember that we're standing up there. We're cheering, we're clapping. And then it's like, well, tomorrow's the last game of the season. Like that's it. And my plan was to go up with the fans and come back with the team because I was part of the team. So then they win the game and it's like time to leave. And I said to Franny or you, I was like, well, why am I going to go on the team bus? Like you guys have to play tomorrow. I don't have to play tomorrow. And why? Like, so then I went back on the fan bus and we had a hoot until like you get too tired eventually. (laughs) Just crash and burn. Oh man, what a time though. That's my favorite time though. Well, not favorite, but most memorable that when I covered myself in dirt and that's when I realized hockey was really over. It was time to move on. <laughs> right? When he's like, so how was your trip? Well, <laughs> well, Deese was rubbing his dirty mitts all over me. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. That's ridiculous. Okay. So anyways, if there's anybody out there in the world that has an equipment manager player relationship like this, please let us know. Cause we're curious, right? Dees? Very curious. I don't think anyone's got that relationship. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I missed you at Wally night though. Could have used uh-huh. you. But uh, pigs filled in good as the as the substitute spray painter. Good old pigsy. Um, so my next questions are leaving Cardiff and going to Manchester, and then to Graz. So uh, so yeah, I, I left Cardiff. Um, it just wasn't fun. That's that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, we won the playoffs, we won the league, we won everything, but it, it, it just wasn't fun anymore. The, the fun had dried out and I was pretty much goddamn exhausted. So uh, Finity calls me, Ryan Finity calls me from Manchester and I end up going there for a season and basically their rink is the BBT Mark II. So I had a lot of fun there. It was, it was crazy. And then uh, I got a call from a guy who was in this league who, who I knew, Jeff, Jeff Maxwell. And uh, he basically just gave me the heads up and said that Graz and Bolzano were looking for equipment guys. So I reached out. I said, do you know any details, anything? And he was like, nope, I just know their equipment guys have quit on them. Um, so he gave me that heads up. And I just sent an email here. Um and then things snowballed, and within within a week, couple of days, really, I had a contract sent over from the GM, and and here I am today, and I've got another year left on a contract. And for some reason, they gave me a two year extension after the first year, and uh, yeah, they they like me. I I don't know why. No idea. Um, well, I can totally see why. Um, I still remember the phone call. I was sitting there having dinner with the kids and um, I had given you though when you were leaving Cardiff, I gave you a reference. Um, I yeah. wrote, I think I wrote you a letter, right? Yeah. Um, you Richie and, and Strax were my references. Okay. So I wrote you a letter and then you went to man, you got the job in Manchester and then um, I'm sitting there eating dinner with the kids 
and I get a call from Ontario and the, the guy, I answer it. I'm like, hello. And he's like, yeah, I'm the head coach, of the Gratz 99ers. And I'm here, I'm here looking for a reference for, and I'm thinking like the goat, you know, the usual <laughs> suspects for day, whoever. And it's he dope. says, David Owen. And I said, Deese. <laughs> You're like, who's that guy? <laughs> And, uh, no, I, so then I, I was, he was calling me for a reference for you. And it was the second, like the, the next year after you went to Manchester, I'm like, well, what, why, why am I getting this again? But, uh, man, it's incredible how it's worked out for you. But I told him exactly what I thought. I said, uh, it depends what you want your room to be. Do you want your room to be fun? Do you want your room to chirp each other? Do you want your room to like, enjoy coming to the rink or do you want it to be like most pro teams now do you want them to be robots do you want them to you know just be pros all the time and there's no personality i'm like dece is option a (laughs) (laughs) right i I do not fit into the robot mold neither do i so i i can't do robot so yeah that is exactly that's exactly it. I got here and guys were like, oh my God, there's no difference to the last guy we had. We, we're actually having fun and we can come in your room and chirp you and you can chirp us. And I'm like, I don't care. Well, as long as you care. don't get too powerful, okay? Because, you know, those equipment, you better not take take it to your head now that you got that fancy office we can see in the background. Bobby Big Will. Is that who Bobby. you are? You better not act like that around the boys now. Nope. Open door policy. Yeah, because, well, in my opinion, you're the best equipment manager I ever had. I I never had to ask for anything. You would always be coming to me saying, Wally, I really think you need, like, an extra stick or two, or you need this, or you need that, because because I never really cared, and I was just playing. No, I I didn't, right? <laughs> your stuff was disgustingly falling apart. I was like, yeah, Wally, I, I'm going to give you a new stick. Like, no, this one's good. I'm like, well, it's got a bit crack in it. Yeah, but but yeah, you were you were one of my super low maintenance guys. Unlike Richie, who's super high maintenance, you know, always wanted something that guy. Richie? No. <laughs> I was gonna Richie say didn't, Richie didn't ask for anything ever. No, I could see that. Yeah. Um, there, there was Lodo who I had to do everything for. Okay. <laughs> You got anything else before we shut her down here? Um, all I got to say is I'm happy I put my name behind you and you're doing well over there. Um, when they called me and I didn't know what had happened at Manchester and all of a sudden I'm like, what, what, why is another team calling me? Like I just, we just got there. But like then when I, like I figure out it's grats and I'm like, this is a, like, like where, where do you think you could take this? Like, uh, are, are we are we happy in Austria, or do you think we're uh, head to North America and you want to grind it out and play 80 games a year? Uh, well, I absolutely love it here. Like, I, I, I couldn't say enough good things about Graz and the way I'm treated here. Um, they, they treat me like a king. They really do. Um, and they, they treat my girlfriend, Gwenna, like a king. Uh, not a king, a queen, sorry. They treat her like a queen, too. That So... I'm really included in everything. But um, North America doesn't really appeal to me. What with the travel situation um, and everything. 
last year I spoke to a team in the KHL. They called me and once they said they go on three to four week road trips, I was like, hey, the money was good, but I, I don't feel like I was ready for that. But um, no, I'll, I'll stay here forever and a day so long as they want me. But just see where the road takes me, I guess. Um, the good thing is I don't age out. You know, obviously as players, you guys, you age out and you, you have to go to the real world or you, you have to become a coach or the odd few like me become the equipment guy. But I, I don't know. Switzerland is, is really high on my list of places to go. I know a few guys who've played in um, NLA. Um, so that we'll just see. We'll see. If, you know, you know me, Wally. <laughs> I just, just each day as it comes, nothing really bothers me. I just float along, little social butterfly, have a beer, have a whiskey, see where we go. Hey, I, I think it's great, man. I'm proud of you because you were the best equipment manager I had. Everything I ever needed was there every time on time. Like I was like, I remember when we'd show up in Scotland after playing like a Friday night in Cardiff or Saturday in Cardiff, we drive all the way up to Scotland, like 10 hours for a game and you've beat us there and our equipment's already laid out for us. So I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Like I'll play in wet gear. So you don't have to do that, man. Wow. It's just what it is. It's the difference is because I played, I always approach it as, what would I want? You know, and, and that's what I'd want. And I just think that if I can give you guys the edge and, and make your life a little, I just want you guys to be able to turn up and play hockey. You don't have to think, ah, oh, shit, I forgot to get my skate sharpened and, and so on and so forth. And I, I just like to get it done. And then I sit in my office, put my feet on my desk and play on the internet have a coffee whatever you know it used to be have a chew but i'm two years clean of chewing so i do miss it but that, that's all it is is just working hard and I, I gotta say i really appreciate a you you as a person and being my buddy for all these years we're always in contact uh, and b that the reference you gave me and, and saying that i'm the best you ever worked with i mean that's a lie but i do appreciate it <laughs> it's not a lie bad well other than some of your spray painting would maybe missed a few of the spots, but <laughs> wow. you should have lifted up and gone to the left a bit. And I would have picked them all up. Then. No, I'll actually never forget the text message you sent me uh, right after the pigs episode. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I sent you. Is that where I sent you the picture? And I was like, here's the picture. No, no, what, no. What did I send you? You you texted me that your the your favorite two years of your life was when I was at Cardiff. Sure. sure. <laughs> Seriously, you said that. You texted me and said, <laughs> I love listening to the podcast. Just to let you know you're like, was that real? Or were you just oh, drinking sure. that day? Were you drinking? Oh, well, I'm drinking most days, but <laughs> it was no for sure. That was the they were the best two years of my life. The, the fun we had. With me, you, Hendo, Huddy, Hoth just chirping. Like, I miss Hoth. He's a pain in the ass and he's a grumpy bastard, but I do miss Hoth. Yeah. Uh, and then just trying to get a rise out of Richie. 
Bouncy with his flatulence issues. So yeah, we like you, you couldn't have put a funnier team together, a greater group of guys, and that that two years it was just chaos. It it was it was chaos, absolute yeah. chaos. It was just a gong show from start to finish, but for some reason it worked, and we we won. We had great fun, and we got memories for life, and we got friends for life. Like I still speak to Cully. I still speak to a lot of the guys on that. So it, it's crazy. We have a lot of fun. No, you're right. Like the, the, the lifelong friendships that team made, there's no other team like it really. Um, I would just say that uh, like of all the, the leagues I've, or the leagues I played in, like the Austrian league, it seems like, like it's one of the top leagues in the world. And realistically, you have one of the best jobs in equipment managing in the world. Sure. There's the NHL. There's, I would not want to be in the HL if I was you, but there's the Swiss league. There's not many, there's not many jobs above yours in, in your line of work. And I'm proud of you, man. Thanks buddy. And I, I, I really appreciate, like I said, I really appreciate your help in, in getting here. Well, I just told them the truth, dude. Did you you know that? I just told them the truth. I said, if you want them to be robots, get a, get a different guy. I'm like, but if you want guys to like be engaged and like be chirping and back and forth and you want a fun locker room and you want, but I said like, at the end of the day, everything's done. Like every time I ever showed up to the rink, it was done. I, I never showed up to the rink and it was like, where are my socks? Where are my shorts? It was like, hey, Wally, did you realize this was over here? And that was over here and it should be, should have been here. And I was like, dude, I don't know where my stuff is. <laughs> right? There was, there was a, I, I was like a swan, you know? I, I don't know if you've ever been a swan, dude. That's, that's, yeah, that's I was, right. I was a beautiful creature. I was on top of the water, gliding along, looking all chilled out underneath i'm paddling like crazy going oh shit oh shit they're gonna be here any minute so there, there was a lot of scrambling last minute scrambling but i made it look like i did it hours ago when i was all relaxed well and that was your first year though and i'm sure you've learned a lot since then because like everything you're doing you learn as you go and you keep getting better and better at it right yeah so much like now like nothing bothers me anymore i'm just i'm normally sat here waiting for the problem to kick me in the balls rather than those first two years, the problems kicked me in the balls every five minutes. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. I'm juggling this problem. You'll have to hold your problem. It's not so important. So yeah, it was crazy, but it, it built me to who I am today. No, man. I, like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of you and I'm, I'm glad everything's going good. And it's been awesome catching up, man. Like it really has like you're the, and cheers. You're the first equipment manager on the podcast. We've had the first NHL player. We've had the first equipment manager. And uh, I guess right before your episode will be my grandma. That's awesome. And we had Pigsy, who's the first doctor. Right. And we've had the first doctor. I guess I never cheers him because I was so nervous. I couldn't even talk. <laughs> it's a good episode. I, I don't know, man. It's like still the most listened to one. And I... I was like so nervous and getting choked up. I don't even know what I said. 
I don't. I can't even listen to it now. I don't think. I don't think I can listen to any of them anymore. You can. You can. You'd be fine, buddy. <sighs> no, I just miss you guys, and uh, it's so much fun, man. Like you just made my day. Like me and you catching up. It's been since uh, when was like, like you were not Wally night, so I haven't seen you since I. Oh, uh, you dropped us off at the airport. Yeah, that's it. I dropped me and Hendo dropped uh, dropped you off in the van, and then I thought it was we you and pigs. No, it's me and Hendo. I'm sure it was me and Hendo. We dropped you off at the airport. Maybe it was pigs actually. Yeah, we dropped you off at the airport, had a big hug, and it was uh, the big sayonara. What was that, 2014-15 season? 16. Yeah, it was yeah. after. So after the year of you spray painting me and just acting a fool of ourselves, um, but trying to win a championship and doing the best we could to help win, right? Um that was the big sayonara was you guys drove us to the airport and we all kind of got out of the van and it was like looking at each other like, well, I guess this is it. Eh? Oh, like, yeah. huh? and then I got two kids, a wife, and I'm head back to Canada to the real world. And it's like, this has been my life for a decade. And here we go. Yeah. And then, then it nosedived. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good, man. It uh, it was a struggle there for at least a year, uh, at least a year. But uh, it's all good, man. We're all good here, and I'm glad to see you're all good over there. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. You know, luckily I got my uh, my pretty girlfriend who keeps me in check. Uh, I'll be honest, without her, I'll be lost because whenever we fly here or we go anywhere, she's got this huge folder with like everything she's printed out and organized. Whereas me, I just roll up with a passport and be like, hey, so I'm here again. But she's awesome. She she keeps me in check. Do you uh, wear your teeth for her at least? Ah, once a week, once a week. But uh, she actually likes me without my teeth. Oh, dear. Ah, I know, I know. I, we had our eyes checked just before we came back out here and they say they're fine. So I, I can't figure it out. Me neither. That's okay. I understand. I know. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you got anything else to say before I hit stop? Um, no, no. Just I'm looking forward to the Bouncy interview after a year with me here. Um, you know, it's a shame he's not back here, but I won't miss him farting all day in my goddamn office. But, uh, but no, no, just... No, you're right. That was on my notes too, was uh, talking about Bouncy being with you in Gratz and his episode is done and I've been sitting on it just because um, he's he needed to be a weekend episode. I wanted to build a little hype because of his, uh, his tramp stamp and all that. Oh. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous, but he talks about all that and uh, yeah, no, I like I guess we never talked about it, but yeah, it's too bad. He won't be back there. I was really proud of him for being there and it's too bad. He got hurt because no, I don't think anybody really got to see the real bouncy. Right. No, unfortunately not. But, um, but he got here, but that's what I say to him. I'm like, well, you got here, you got out. You're the Brit that, that played your way out of the elite league. So he, he can always be proud of that. Oh man. And like for him not to play his way out of there, like, you keep winning the championship every year. Like 
being a goalie is about winning games. It's, sure. you know, and that's what he does. That's, yeah, no, I, I, I hope he uh, is abroad again next year, and I hope he gets to spread his wings and his tramp stamp. Ugh. Yeah. All right, we better shut it down after that. It's getting gross talking about that thing, isn't Real it? Gross. Real gross. All right. Deese, it's been a slice, big fella. A big slice, baby. I miss you. Miss you too. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott.